Welcome to the CTNNB1 Connect and Cure podcast, your go-to place to hear the latest information, research, and happenings going on in the CTNNB1 community. Tune in to find comfort, community, and connection. Hello, welcome back to the Connect and Cure podcast. I'm your host, CTNNB1 mom, Annie Wood. Before you meet my next guest, Lindsay, I have to share the story of meeting her. I met Lindsay and her husband, Daniel, for the first time in June while we were at the CTNMB1 conference. Preston had attended a full day of testing with Columbia. It had been a long day, and he was done. We decided to walk him over to a park nearby to hopefully distract him. Lindsay, Daniel, and their daughter, Lark, were already at the playground. Upon getting to the playground, Preston attempted to get on a piece of equipment that he was way too big for. It tipped over, and he was stuck. This was the last thing that he needed to happen, and he proceeded to yell out every swear word that he knew. This was something we're used to, but all I could think about is, what are these parents going to think about us, and their young daughter hearing all these words? We quickly pulled him up and walked away as quickly as we could. Later that day, I saw them both again. I said, sorry about earlier at the park. Daniel said, it was no big deal. Of all the places, this should be the one where we don't have to apologize. He was exactly right. I have said this to so many people before, but he gave me the reminder I needed, and we were instantly friends. Shortly after the conference, Lindsay called me to tell me she wanted to get more involved, and how could she help? Her job was within fundraising, so this was an area of her expertise. This is why our community, our CTNMB1 family, is so great. We all know we won't be able to keep pushing forward without money, but it's not always something easy or fun to talk about. If you're looking to start a fundraiser, keep listening for some ideas. If it's not your time, don't worry, we understand. And if you've already done a fundraiser or donated to someone else's, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Please enjoy meeting my new friend, Lindsay Stevens. Hello, Lindsay. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Annie. I'm glad you're here. Can you start with introducing us to yourself and your family and let us know your connection uh, to CTNMB1? Sure. My name is uh, Lindsay Stevens, and I live with my husband, Daniel, and three girls, Zoe, who's 13, Dahlia, who's nine, and Lark, who's five. And we found out Lark has the CTNNB1 diagnosis uh, when she was two and a half. She's, like I said, now five. And she's just a happy-go-lucky kid who's starting first grade this fall in an integrated classroom in public school. And we're super excited to be able to talk with you today. That's awesome. I'm glad I got to meet you guys this June when we were out in New Jersey. That was a lot of fun. So can you tell us what you do for a living? Yeah, absolutely. I work at a large nonprofit. It's um, a big university, Cornell University, and I do development work, which to those of us who aren't familiar with that sort of entity, I reach out to different folks, alumni, friends, parents, all different folks who are connected with the university, and I talk with them about 
their interest in philanthropic help with the university. Oftentimes it's scholarships or programming help that we're looking for all across the university in different areas. And so I'm well-versed in fundraising for nonprofits. That's amazing because we know that's something we need. In June, Lindsay and I, um, along with our families, we attended the research conference together in New Jersey. And there we heard updates on our research and clinical trial preparedness. The great news was that our researchers have developed promising treatment for CTNMB1. Dr. Jacobs and Dr. Alexander from Tufts, in collaboration with a medical chemist at MIT, they have filed a patent for a method of treatment for CTNMB1 syndrome for a new drug they have developed. This drug brings the levels of beta-catenin into the normal healthy range and leads to statistically significant improvements in motor and learning outcomes. And it's in the preclinical mouse model CTNMB1. So LEADS researchers are also working on additional therapies with collaboration with John Hopkins. So when we were together, we left very hopeful that day um, and encouraged for the future and what's to come in our rather close future, I'd say. Uh, however, as we were listening, as expected, we heard a lot about how we need more funding. After hearing um, from Dr. Cox, we heard how lengthy and how expensive the drug discovery and development is. So that was, you know, kind of hard to. Um, this promising drug treatment, it just still has a long way to go. And after the conference, Lindsay had reached out to me very shortly afterwards, and she kind of had described to me what she heard and felt in the room after we we heard how much it was going to cost to get us to where we need to be. And Lindsay, can you share with us or and share with me how that went down and what you saw and then what you felt that day? Yes, I remember at the conference hearing about how much money was needed to push our project forward and being uh, someone who's familiar with the research area, I, I heard the numbers sort of $1 million to $3 million floated during the conference. And I looked across the room and kind of felt the energy in the room and just kind of, it seemed like there was a bit of a, a sigh, like, oh man, that's a lot of money. And I kind of looked around and, and, I, and I thought to myself, $3 million, that's nothing. We could, we could do that as a, as a small parent group. This is something that we can accomplish. I sat there quickly and did a little math in my head. And I thought, boy, if we as a group, as a parent group, could rally ourselves and think about each of our 250 families in the United States, roughly, and divided that $3 million among all of us, that's somewhere around $12,000 per family. I feel like that would be a very reasonable number for each of us to be able to try and to work towards as a goal for fundraising. And so I really wanted to be able to talk about that with you and really to sink in and think about how we could potentially meet that dollar goal so that our kiddos can get what they need in a, a drug treatment and those researchers can be supported in their work and continue to do all the things that we need them to do to support our kiddos. Definitely. And I know I can say for one, I was one of those families because when you start talking about millions of dollars to me, that's like, oh, that's unheard of, you know, just with what we do in our family. But that's where I, I'm so glad you reached out because somebody who works in that area and works with that type of money and sees how fundraising works 
it's easier for you to kind of break it down and look at differently um, and make it more manageable for everybody to do their part and help with. So I'm really glad you reached out to talk with us today. Yeah, absolutely. So how are some different ways that you have seen um, work with fundraising and how you think we could all play a part in doing this? Well, I would say in the work that I do, it's often just about reaching out to individuals and making the ask. And while that sounds a bit intimidating, that's the only way that we're going to get where we need to go. And it's really thinking about our each of our individual networks and thinking about who we talk to on the daily, who, who are the folks that we send a holiday card to every year, who are the people that are invested in, in our kids, who really want to know what's going on, who, who want to hear and want an update and want to be able to help somehow. So it's really thinking about how we can harness our individual networks instead of just one or two or five people doing fundraising. It's each individual family thinking about how they can contribute a little bit so that each slice of the pie is very small. Instead of one of us thinking that we're going to find this magic unicorn of a donor who's just going to give us $3 million, it's thinking about, oh, if I talk to 200 people and each of those 200 people gives $60, I've met my goal already. It's thinking about who does a company match at their place of business? How can I harness that? Because a lot of businesses nowadays do make a match in, in their company and they will put up the money to match a gift that you're making personally towards a nonprofit. Um, there's other ways as well. We think about folks that are nearing retirement age the older population, when they have a, an IRA account, they're required at 70 and a half years old to take a RMD, which is a required minimum distribution. Some folks don't need that extra income. And so there's if you take that RMD and you give it to a nonprofit organization, it converts the required minimum distribution to a qualified charitable distribution. And then that makes that money tax-free. That's an advantage to thinking about how you're doing your wealth management and talking to your grand, the grandparents out there. And they're thinking about how, how can I, to my best advantage, make sure that I'm benefiting my kids and my grandkids. And so when you think about IRAs, that's up to, they can donate up to $100,000 a year towards a charity directly from their IRA and it's, and it's not taxable. Wow. That's incredible. That is one thing that I hadn't heard about before is when you started talking to me about that older population, how that works. Um, that was something brand new to me. So hopefully that's something new for a lot of our listeners too, that they hadn't heard of before. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking about sort of how, how we can work with how we're managing our, our dollars to the best use, and then thinking about how those dollars can really benefit our kiddos is really the goal. So that's something hopefully we can all look into after today. And then also I like that you brought up bringing up companies that match the dollars. So reach out to the company you work for, maybe your spouse or your family members work for it. How is the best way to go out, find out that information if companies do that? 
Well, most most companies that do that kind of match do publicize it because it is a feel good, right? It's, it's a way for that company to really benefit those that are working there and think about what's important to the employee and how they're going to be able to be happier employees. So it is it is a morale thing. And it also, um, there are companies out there that, that are basically publicize it. Microsoft, for example, is one that I know of that doesn't match every, you know, every year it's available up to a certain dollar amount. So um, that's definitely something to think about asking, even if they don't offer a match, talking to the folks that you work for and, and think about would they be interested in making a gift towards something that's important to you. Most companies are interested in trying to help their employees and it's a way to feel more connected with the folks that are working for them too. So it's definitely something to think about, consider making that ask there. And I really encourage folks to think about writing an update letter to to their networks, being able to explain in that letter about what's going on with the research right now, how they can help, what's going on with their kiddo, and basically being able to say, this is what we need, and being very um, open about saying, we need your help. I, we, how, can, how can you help? This is how you can help. Because people are always wondering how they can contribute to something. And uh, f- giving a gift financially is actually a very easy lift when you think about it. And it doesn't have to be thousands of dollars. Like I said, it's just little bits at a time, talking with folks and, you know, just small amounts is okay. It's really about the the crowdsourcing that we're trying to do to reach our goal. So the more gifts, the better. And being able to thank folks after they make a gift, I think is super important as well. So thinking about requesting a list from us after you've gone through a big fundraising push and making sure you're handwriting thank you notes, including a photograph if you can. I think all of that really helps folks to want to come back and, and do a gift on the yearly. So it's not just a one-time ask, it's, it's thinking about probably holiday time is a great time to ask. Um, there's also a giving day, you can think about uh, that as well. March is always a good time, and then thinking about something at the end of the school year, always good times to sort of think about doing things on the regular so that it doesn't feel like such a heavy lift. So really thinking about pacing yourself and doing things Small things, it doesn't have to be a huge production. Once a year, it's, it's trying to do things on the regular because we all have busy lives. Right. We're all incredibly consumed with what's going on in our families and at all of the doctor's appointments and therapies that we try and get our kids to. And so really thinking about how to make it sustainable for everybody, spreading things out so that you don't get burnout. Definitely. I think you brought up two good points is one is after you do that fundraiser and you get the money coming in, make sure you update those that are donating to what is going on because we are changing and things are coming along and we are getting new drugs found. Update them and let them know all these amazing things so they know what their money is going towards. And then the thank you is always important. And it could be just something as simple as a handwritten note, you know, Thank you, and I, I appreciate you and what you're doing to help us. So I think those are two very good points that you brought up there. 
So we have seen many different ideas. Um, let's talk about some of those we've seen. In case somebody is struggling coming up with an idea, if they want to fundraise, we've seen a lot of ones already within our community. Two fun ones that I've seen this summer were Splash for Savannah. That was a fun one. And Slide for a Cure. And that was done with a slip and slide. So you can always find fun ways to do it depending on the season. Uh, I've seen basket auctions with dinners, holiday arrangements, people doing Ironman races or walks. And, you know, all of those things take time and preparation and work. And maybe I know some people comment like, where do I find the time? I don't have time right now. And that is so true. So I think one of the more simple one is just doing a Facebook fundraiser. I know I've seen a lot of those with birthdays just randomly throughout the year. Um, but Lindsay, you brought up one that I didn't even think about doing or including. And that was just a simple letter and maybe a Christmas card. Is that something that you've tried before? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a wonderful list that's already compiled. Most people keep a list that they send out holiday cards to. So it's a great way if you're already mailing something to include a, a little bit of a, an, a specific ask in, in that holiday time to be able to uh, say that this, if you're thinking about making a gift, this is a great time to do it. And you're already have a list of your network ready to go usually. So it's, it's a perfect time to, to go ahead and, and update folks and then also ask at that time as well. What advice can you give to the parent who has a hard time asking others for money? I think that explaining the background information, getting vulnerable and thinking about this is the most important thing in our lives, these kids. Really thinking about that if, they, if someone was going to make a gift somewhere, you would want it to be towards something that you know is going to be a tangible difference in these kids' lives this year. It's, it's hanging on to that emotional piece. I know when I wrote my initial appeal letter, it was emotional for me to send that out. To, to get to the point where you're asking someone for money, it, it really is the, we are the advocates for our children. No one is going to do this for them but us. Right. We're the last line, right? So definitely, I think if you're going to do anything, I think this is this is really important, not just for us, for our individual kids, but our bubble of CTN and B1 kids. And then beyond that, it's the CP kids that don't even know that there's a treatment available doing the advocacy work for a population that doesn't even know that there's a treatment possible. I think it's it's just bigger than us individuals. And that's why it's so important for us to really be thinking about how we can, as a, as a parent group, help each other with all of this. Right. Thinking about how we can support each other, how we're all so busy and the burnout is real and being aware of that and talking about it and trying to figure out ways that we can work fundraising into our lives so that it doesn't feel like such a heavy lift one time a year. It's really thinking about pacing yourself and how we can help each other to make sure that we can keep doing this. And I think there's so many people out there in our world that are just waiting to help and don't know how. 
Um, I know when I planned my conference back in Moline, I was just asking for suggestions. I was making welcome bags and just making suggestions or asking for suggestions of things to put in it. And I had so many people reach out to me and be like, I want to help you do this. I'm sending you money. Use whatever you want um, it for. Or uh, I saw that you're going to include those, you know, local mustard or chips. I'm going to go down and I'm going to buy enough for you. How many do you have coming? I want to put it in your gift bag. I think people are just waiting. A lot of amazing people in our lives are just waiting to help us if we could just get past that fear of asking, because sometimes that is hard to do. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think they're just needing a, a way to figure out how to navigate it because it is, it can be, can be an awkward conversation. And also right. sometimes it's hard to say, well, when someone offers their help, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know an immediate answer to the question that you're asking, but I think just making the ask for and being consistent about your messaging, figuring out what your we talk about it as your 90 second commercial, right? Like, what would you right. say to somebody who didn't know anything about CTN MB1 and you're in the elevator and you're going from floor one to floor 20, you have 90 seconds, go right? Like yes. trying to think about, okay, what would I say to someone? How would I explain what I'm going through right now in 90 seconds to explain how important this is right now? Right. So you really distill down the messaging and make it simple so that people can understand because it is very complex what we're talking about. And it's really two pieces, right? It's right. fundraising, but also it's advocacy for our, our folks because CTNNB1 and CP have that, that misdiagnosis that's going on. And so that's an, uh, also another piece to all of this is advocacy. We're also talking about how do we get the word out <laughs> too? Yes. <laughs> so this is a great way. This is a great way to talk with vulnerability about what what we are trying to accomplish it as our little parent group. Definitely. And don't forget too to utilize our website. I don't know if everybody knows that, but we have a lot of resources available on our website under fundraising. We have pictures to kind of give examples of some fundraisers, also print material. And if you're looking to do like your something brand new that nobody's done before, you can always reach out and Emily can put together some stuff for you to use for that. So just don't forget that you're never alone in any of this. And there are so many people that can help guide you to your fundraiser um, and, and give you any help that you need. So don't be afraid to ask for help. How did you do that? How did that work? What did it look like? And get a lot of resources from our website that's available to you also. Yes, absolutely. And I'm happy to review anybody's appeal letters. If they have questions about what to say, I can give examples. I'm, I'm very much happy to help out in any way to make someone feel more comfortable about what they're writing and what they're saying. I'm just making sure, you know, everything comes from the heart because that's really what this is all about is, is you know, that feeling deep down that we know that this is something so important. So, yeah. And I think this is all just so encouraging. And the number one thing to remember is do what works for you and your family. Maybe you're ready to do something social and have people over and talk to them about CTN and B1. And maybe you're not there yet. And you know what? I'm just going to do a Facebook fundraiser right now. Like it all matters. So I just want everybody to know that and to be encouraged by every little penny helps. So you have, Lindsay, shared so much information today with us and you are so encouraging. And it's nice to know 
I'm sure you're readily available. Anybody has any questions about fundraising and their part in it and how they can help, I can share your contact information with everybody. Um, but reach out to Lindsay if you have any questions about anything. So any last minute advice for us as we maybe we're at the beginning of our CTNMB1 journey and we're looking to do our part in fundraising or maybe, you know, we've been in the, it for a while and we were just encouraged after today. Do you have any last minute advice for us? Well, I think the most important thing is just speaking from the heart and asking for what we know our kids need. Being our advocates for our kids is just the most important thing, just speaking up for them because they can't. I think that's the main thing. Definitely. And every dollar makes a difference. Whether you go on to somebody else's fundraiser and you give them $20 or you do your own big fundraising event and you raise thousands, like all of you matter. Every dollar matters. So don't ever think that you're not doing enough because everything is something and, and you all matter to us. And that's what we want you guys to know too. So thank you, Lindsay, so much for your time today and your expertise. And I look forward to working with you and getting some ideas for you in the future. And I know us as an organization, we hope to organize maybe some bigger events to do together. Maybe we'll be doing a splash for CTN and B1 in the future or something more organized. So we'll also look out for those in the future too. So thank you so much today, Lindsay, for your time. Absolutely, Annie. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening today. This has been the CTNNB1 Connect and Cure podcast, a place for CTNNB1 family and friends to come together for support and to build community. We hope this podcast continues to be a place where you can go for the latest CTNNB1 information.